Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome to the Big Ten Show presented by the Believe Network. Thank you for tuning in here on Bally Sports from Believe's State of State, a Penn State football podcast. I'm Tom Hannafin, and I'm joined by Thomas Gwines, who once upon a time was an offensive lineman for the Michigan Wolverines and also in the National Football League. You can check him out on Believe's podcast, Under the Winged Helmet, talking all things about Michigan football. Thomas, this is a very, very interesting time right now. For Big Ten football, obviously the regular season just wrapped up. And this Saturday, it's the Big Ten championship game, which your Michigan Wolverines, your alma mater, are going to be taking part in against Iowa, winners of the Big Ten West at 10-2. and two. I think I have a feeling of who you're favoring in this game, but for the sake of being just a tad unbiased, what do you think are going to be some of the most important factors in this game? Um, obviously, um, go blue all, all day, every day. And I'm looking forward to seeing ball control football, basically us staying the course as we've done all year long. The Iowa Hawkeyes seem to be a little bit anemic offensively, but they have a relatively deep, decent defense. So for our offensive line to continue to do what they've been doing, let's control the ball, tenderize those ribs, as we like to say, get, continue those, those those heavy body shots. And as we get into midway through the third quarter, that's when you really start to see the war of attrition start to pay dividends and that pass rush slows down a little bit more. Those holes become a little bit bigger. And that's when we can really start pressing the gas um, on our opponent. Our defense have done, has done a really great job throughout a majority of the year, not giving up any points in the third quarter, um, except, you know, these last couple of games. But we obviously been playing a lot tougher competition. But I just saw a stat that going into the second half, to my knowledge, we haven't been behind. And as long as we continue to play that ball control football, uh, win the turnover battle, and just stay consistent, continue to beat guys up up front, and eventually they will wither. One of the big things I spoke about referencing the Ohio State game was the Buckeyes had a really good offensive line as well. But our defensive front seven needed to get some hits, <clears throat> excuse me, get some hits on, touch their quarterback a few times, even if they weren't sacks and he was going to give up the rock. He threw those two picks, obviously. Um, the most untimely one for the Buckeyes was going to be the last one that sealed the game for us. But again, our ability to get to the quarterback, secure the football, win a turnover battle, and just beat guys up up front and win that war of attrition. I honestly have to agree with you as a Penn State alumni fan broadcaster. It pains me to do so, but at the same time, <laughs> this Iowa team, you know, I saw my Penn State Nittany Lions defeat them 31 to nothing at home. Mm -hmm. Now, I, I think this would have been a really interesting story had Cade McNamara been healthy and able right. to win this game against Michigan. Unfortunately, that's not the case. Somebody who will be on the sidelines, though, is Jim Harbaugh, the head coach of the Michigan Wolverines. His suspension has been lifted from the sign-stealing scandal. This feels personal. It's Michigan versus everybody. I'm of the mind that Michigan comes out on a mission in this type of game, not only to win the Big Ten championship and secure their place in the college football playoff, those are lofty goals, but also to have Jim Harbaugh back, I feel like is just a shot of adrenaline. You're close to the team. You follow the team on a regular basis. Do you think there's even a possibility this throws off the execution of the team? Sharon Moore has done a solid job the last few weeks. Well, first of all, big shout outs to Coach Moore. Um, again, I don't think people really give enough credit to what he has done offensive line coach, offensive coordinator, and now having to be the head coach. And to win your three toughest games towards the end of the season, big shout out to Coach Moore. Reference Coach Harbaugh coming back and being on the sidelines. I think 
if it was a situation where Coach Harbaugh was suspended from all football activities, i.e. you can't be down at Schembecker Hall, not at practices, things of that nature, possibly so. But because Coach Harbaugh has been with not only the team, but the coaches as well in those meetings throughout the week and just absent during the game, I think, again, to your point, huge shot in the arm. Coach Harbaugh's back on the sidelines. Let's press the gas. You guys tried to cut our head off and hope that we were going to just wither. But guess what? We were just like a Hydra. You cut one head off, another one sprouted, and we continue to wreak havoc in the Big Ten, and we're coming for everything that we consider ours. Just even remotely attempting to look at Iowa's side of this game, I know it's kind of difficult for you and I, but this yeah. also feels like a team playing with a lot of emotion coming into this, seeing how how emotional Kirk Ferentz was after the win at Nebraska in the final seconds. and It was... It was very rare to see that from Kirk Ferentz, and obviously considering everything that took place with uh, having to relieve his son, Brian Ferentz, of duties as offensive right. coordinator once the season concluded, the revised contract for his son, making sure that the appropriate amount of points could be scored per game. It was a really challenging situation. I don't even know if that puts it into words, but what if anything, does Iowa have to do to compete in this game? Honestly, this feels lopsided. I think what Iowa has to do is make this a one-sided game. And what I mean by that is this. You're going to have to shut our run down and make us one-dimensional. And in that, in making us one-dimensional, you're still going to have to get to J.J. So the beautiful thing about J.J. is his maturation that we've been able to see over the last couple of years. You've, you've had an athlete who was playing quarterback. Now we have a, an athletic quarterback that's playing quarterback. J.J.'s ability to continue to look downfield to make the uncanny pass, um, even the ill-advised pass, and, and make it work, right? So if even if you make us one-dimensional with the pass, you still have to account for J.J. Other than that, I don't really see a lot of arrows in the Hawkeye quiver, if you will, that are going to be effective against the Wolverines right now. I mean, if you took two Marvel characters, you got Hawkeye, who's actually immortal, who can shoot a bow and arrow really well. And then you have Wolverine, who is actually a mutant. My healing factor, my adamantium skeleton with the claws, with my heightened senses. Right now, I just don't see how those two characters match up in this particular contest. So, again, do I think the Hawkeyes are going to, are going to come out and game? Of course. Why wouldn't you? It's their opportunity to put a huge feather in, in their season, in their cap, so to speak. But at the same point in time, I just don't think they have the horses to compete with us for all four quarters. And speaking of all four quarters, I want to say what I perceive to be the most important game of this year has been, it was Maryland. That game, they forced us to play four quarters. Hats off to the to the Turtles. This is what it's going to take for the Wolverines to run the table. We're going to have to play all four quarters. And in my opinion, that was the first time we really had to play all four quarters this year. And it came up at a very opportune time as far as preparation getting us ready for the ohio state game i told people time and time again this was going to be a close game and i missed it by one point i said five points or less is going to be going to be the spread if you will and we won by six so um coming in to this upcoming contest i think it's it's going to be huge for us not just to press the gas and get style points but continue to be in the mindset we have to put teams away when we had the opportunity to put teams away because as we continue to get ready to go into this uh, national college football playoff, the teams that we're going to face are going to be some some beasts. And it's not just going to be one of those, hey, we're just going to show up and win because we were the most awesome helmets in football. 
I, I do have to agree with you on that. The helmets are pretty nice. Um, and speaking of J.J. McCarthy, you know, Big Ten quarterback of the year, his maturation has been evident. Blake Corum, Big Ten running back of the year. Uh, and as those awards were handed out, Big Ten offensive player of the year, Marvin Harrison Jr., in my opinion, right. I'm blown well away. I'm blown away that he's not getting more love in the Heisman because I can't remember the last time a wide receiver was on the same level a la a Larry Fitzgerald circa Pitt mm -hmm. as Marvin Harrison Jr. And seeing quarterbacks exceed him, I understand that it can be a quarterback's award, but still right. there's I don't think there's a better athlete in the country than Marvin Harrison Jr. right well, now. Well, I I would say the reason why is because they had at best um mediocre quarterback play. Of course. And I and I think if they would have had a more dynamic quarterback um, obviously, Marvin Harris is, was going to get his targets. He was going to get his catches. He was going to do his thing. You can't stop him. You just hope to contain him, right? But again, if the Buckeyes would have been able to summon a better better quarterback play, I think Marvin Harris definitely would have been getting a lot more attention within the Heisman race. Well, at least walked away with Big Ten Offensive Player of the Year. We'll see about the Bolitnikoff. Uh, speaking of honors within the Big Ten Coach of the Year, Went right. to David Braun at Northwestern, and honestly, this is a feel-good story more than mm -hmm. anything. It felt like a program that was about to be turned on its head during the offseason, the controversies surrounding Pat Fitzgerald. David Braun takes over, had very limited experience at the coaching right. level. I don't even know if he had head coaching experience at that point. And exactly. I saw firsthand Penn State visiting Northwestern, the fight that Northwestern put up. Part of it is expected, and I'm sure you've watched Northwestern for years, and it's something about that team. They don't have the greatest athletes ever, but they are smart, they're disciplined, and they're tough. And that was embodied the way they played this year. What did you think about that award going to Braun? I mean, I'm, I'm definitely um, based off the overall body of work, right? <clears throat> Do I think Coach Moore should have possibly been up? In my opinion, at least a little bit of consideration – just based off of what he has done, based off the suspensions and all of those sorts of things. But as far as Northwestern goes, to your point, smart guys, gritty guys. Um, I'm from the Chicago area originally myself, so I understand how those guys get down because Northwestern has never been known as a football powerhouse, as a football school. It's a great academic institution, as are with most teams here in the Big Ten Conference. So for that coach to come in under those particular circumstances and to get his guys up week in, week out, knowing that you may not have the most talented individuals. But again, it goes back. It's corny, right? We always talk about heart. Those guys just showed up every week and just played with heart. They played for each other. Each other. Um, I spoke earlier today about one of the reasons why I love this Michigan Wolverine team is you really get the sense of these guys play for the man to their left and to their right, and which is starting to pay dividends. Um, year in and year out as we're starting to rebuild this culture of Michigan football. And I think that's taking place as well in Evanston with the Northwestern Wildcat program. Right now, it's just about them being able to attract those marquee athletes that are going to be those key focal points that is going to allow them to compete with the upper echelon of the Big Ten. Not to mention the amount of money that they put into their facilities. Hundreds oh, of facilities are gorgeous. Are gorgeous. gorgeous. Not to mention yeah. a new stadium is on its exactly. way. So obviously yeah. there's the commitment from the university, which is great Correct. to see. So hats off to David Braun. Uh, speaking of the coaching carousel, uh, my Penn State and the Lions have felt that and other 
schools within the Big Ten have felt it. Let's start with Michigan's little brother. No disrespect to all the Michigan State fans out there, but let's be honest who your daddy is. Michigan State hires Jonathan Smith from Oregon State as its new head coach. Uh, this was an interesting move in that Jonathan, Jonathan Smith had roots with Oregon State, so to drag him away from that was rather interesting. The entire remainder of Mel Tucker's previous coaching staff was released earlier this week, so Jonathan Smith has a blank slate to work with. What did you think about that hire? Well, I look at it from a coaching perspective, right? The Big Ten as a whole, is the landscape is about to completely be rebuilt as we know it historically. Um, only coming over from the Pac-12, Oregon, Washington, UC, USC, and UCLA. What's left, right? Do I want to be left on that island pretty much by myself as an Oregon State Beaver, or do I want to have the opportunity to come to East Lansing and basically get the keys to the Ferrari, so to speak, right? I come in, I get to pick my own staff. I don't have any leftover lingering bad air, if you will, from um, Coach Tuck's regime. And from that particular aspect, I, I really thought it was a great move on this coach's part when he got with um, Tom Izzo and being able to sit back as far as a Spartan legend. What does it mean to be a coach here in East Lansing? What does it mean to be a coach in this particular program? What better way, what better sage to sit at the feet of than Tom Izzo to get a full understanding of what Spartan culture is. And also, I don't know what the numbers are, but if Tuck, if they're paying Tuck $95 million, needless to say, uh, little brother does have big pockets. And with that being said, opportunity mixed with a great payday, mixed with some anonymity, if you will, and the ability to go out and put your, your, your staff together and be a part of the resurgence of a I don't want to say once proud because because as far as it's, it's, it's still a very proud and historic and story program. Of course, We're not Michigan, but it is what it is. Um, why not? Why not? You know, um, what better way to really start to kick off your, your coaching um, career, if you will, and, and be on that big stage? And basically, I have a blank slate. I'm giving you all the crayons. Paint me a masterpiece. It is a really good opportunity, and I think because the expectations right now are low for Michigan State, it gives mm -hmm. him time, which is a rarity in college football right now. And I'm so happy you said that. A lot of people don't get that. Some coaches, depending on who they are, what program they're at, get a little bit more rope to hang themselves. And other coaches in other situations, hey, you're on a very short leash, and we're expecting productivity right here, right now. Well, at Penn State, James Franklin's leash is 10 years long. So I know there's plenty of Penn State fans who have seen the good and the bad of that. But very recently, in the wake of Penn State's loss to Michigan, uh, scored 24 to 15, offensive coordinator Mike Yursich was fired the day after the game. And it was within a few hours of us recording this show that a new offensive coordinator was announced via Bruce Feldman on social media. The story is that Andy Kolnicki, of Kansas is about to be the new offensive coordinator for the Penn State Nittany Lions. Uh, admittedly, can't say I know all that much about Kotal Nicky at this point in time. Certainly going to dive into it with Justin King, my co-host. But at the same time, uh, coming from a system in Kansas where you had two extremely athletic quarterbacks focused on the run game and a vertical passing game and trying to be creative, which all sounds good on paper. But the big right. thing, and I talk about time 
Thomas, is that the transfer portal opens on December 4th. So it's no longer seeing, you know, that Black Sunday or Black Monday where coaches get fired after the last regular season game. You got to make decisions on your staff as soon as possible. So when you talk to kids in the portal, you have your entire staff to present. Right. How has that right. changed things in your eyes based on obviously when you played? Um, I think I have a very different experience. When I got to Michigan, a majority of our staff were either longtime coaches like coaches when Bo was still coaching and or former players who were now coaches. So for me, it was a situation where I came into a program of stability. Uh, the whole transferring thing, it was an anomaly. You pretty much, wherever you went, that's pretty much where you stayed for the most part. The players now having the, the flexibility the and the ability to kind of pick and choose where they most feel like their skills are going to be best used is, is huge. Twofold, I say it's a, it's a double-edged sword. I'm old school. I'm a Gen Xer. I'm going to come into the program. This is where I committed to. This is where I committed to. Now, it's incumbent upon me to put forth my best effort to make you put me on the field. I don't come in with any expectations. Whereas I think with this new generation of athlete and so many different things that was different from the time in which I played, graduated 1996, is social media, uh, NIL money, um, wanting to come in right away and be part of a championship program where I don't really feel that same sense of commitment and or camaraderie to the program and or your team to build a championship. You kind of want to come into a championship situation. So on the one side, I guess it's good for the player. I don't know what you're really teaching our young people um, with that. But at the same point in time, too, you, we have to remember as fans, sport is nothing but entertainment. We're not curing cancer. We're not solving world hunger. The Middle East is still going to be at war by the time this game is done. All that to be said, as an entertainer now, I need to do the best. I need to do what's best for me and my family. And if I got a better shot of going to this other program or they're going to pay me more money, why wouldn't I? Again, I'm coming in. I want to graduate. I want to get my degree. I'm not saying that these guys aren't um, academically focused. But again, there are a lot more distractions, and especially with the amount of money that these young men are able to make right now, some of these kids are making more money than free agent, first year, second year guys in the NFL right now. It's it's crazy. The Pandora's box has been open. Um, I still don't think that we've seen the full effect on the college landscape. Imagine being a UTEP or a Rice or a Colgate or some you know some of these other smaller programs, smaller conferences. How do you stay alive? How do you attract quality athletes to your program? So it's going to be an interesting um, situation as all these things continue to unfold. The dissolving of what we consider historic powerhouse conferences. Um, what's going to happen with the with, with the Big 12 and the Pac-12? Is it just going to be the Big 10 and the SEC right now? So the story is still being written, and I'm excited to get to the end of the book just to kind of see how it all ends up. 
And listen, you talk about the money aspect of this. I know that's a really uh, dirty term for college football fans. They like the tradition of it, and I understand. I'm all for players getting their money when they can, where they can maximize their value. And at the same time, you look at Matt Rule of Nebraska recently saying that a, quote, good quarterback in the transfer portal commands $1 to $2 million right now. Good for the free agency. It is free agency. And then even uh, Tom Allen just fired by uh, Indiana University, a $20 million buyout, by the way, from Indiana, which blows my mind, has been on the record after the fact saying Indiana has to embrace NIL. And there's a lot of schools within the Big Ten that also need to embrace NIL. Penn State included a little bit more than they are because you can see the programs like Michigan who have done it very successfully, Ohio State who's done it successfully as well, and there's a gap. And now you have these schools coming in from the Pac-12. It really, really changes the landscape if you don't get with the times. There's no doubt everything that you said is spot on. I remember back when I played in college football and Sega came out, and you literally had 75 at left tackle, a black guy, you had 51 at left guard, a black guy. You had 52 at center, a black guy. And 68 and uh, 69, two white guys on the right side. It was our offensive line. The numbers, uh, the races, everything correlated, right? And so <clears throat> when you literally look at the amount of money these institutions are making off of us as players, oh, well, you're getting your scholarship and your room and board and all of these other things. Yeah, but guess what? If I played in the largest stadium in these United States, in, in the big house, and we just sat 110 plus thousand people, and let's just say for easy numbers, it's 50 bucks a ticket times 110 plus thousand people. Let's just say 50 bucks to park. All of these different things, the amount of money that you spent on my scholarship the whole time I was there was paid for probably in two games. So let that kind of sink in when we start talking about value when it comes to paying your college athletes. I get the tradition of it all and the amateurism and the purity of the sport. But at the same time, you just said Tom Allen, who I've met and uh, I love the guy. I think he's a phenomenal person, a phenomenal man and a great coach. And I, you still paid him $20 million to leave, not to continue working. Mm -hmm. He got $20 million to leave. So to say what his generational wealth and the trajectory of his his family goes financially, why can't we as players get the opportunity? I'm not saying, okay, I'm going to give you know a college kid $20 million, right? But at the same point in time, if you're making this much money off the sale of my jerseys, I played with Charles Woodson. When that number two and, the, and that maize and blue and that block M was on there, even if it didn't say Woodson on the back, we all know knew who it was. So make it make sense. There needs to be some parity as far as us, quote unquote, the employees, the student athlete, and and those in management, i.e. the coaches. Because I think one of the big things that's happening within the Big Ten, I don't know if it's a problem with the quote unquote profit sharing. Um, are they trying to keep all of these monies to themselves? And it's kind of a good old boy network. I don't know, but sometimes depending on who I'm talking to. And some of the comments that I've, I've read, it, it seems that way, that everything's trying to be held close to the chest and we're going to hoard as much as we possibly can in these historic coffers and, and be very stingy with, with the purse strings as far as these young men that are leaving it all out there on the field. Zach Zinter probably had a really good opportunity to go to league, goes down in the game with a broken leg. You know, um, Godspeed, 
full recovery to, to that young man. But again, Zach doesn't have any guaranteed money. So like I said before, make it make sense. Times are changing in college football and the Big Ten altogether, and we are going to do our best to keep an eye on it, obviously. Thomas, thank you so much for hopping on here. Thank you all for tuning in. And a reminder, the Big Ten title game is this Saturday night at 8 p.m. Eastern on Fox. It's Michigan versus Iowa. Enjoy the game. Thank you for tuning in here on Bally Sports. This has been the Big Ten Show presented by the Believe Network. Go Blue.